Hey folks, coming in hot with a little ad uh, for myself in my upcoming book. If you like this podcast, you are definitely going to like the book I wrote based on it. Unruly Figures, 20 Tales of Rebels, Rule Breakers, and Revolutionaries covers several people that I've never covered on the podcast. From queens of piracy in the Mediterranean to rebellious artists in New York to aboriginal resistance leaders in Tasmania, this book is full of rebellious folks you may have never heard of. It comes out wherever books are sold on March 5th. Pre-order it now. Link is in the show notes. This podcast is supported by Ritual. So, y'all, remember how I was in the hospital back in July? Well, it's time for me to admit that it was because I ate bad sushi. So embarrassing. I should have listened to my gut and not bought sushi at that random grocery store. Afterward, my stomach was so messed up from like weeks of antibiotics that I knew I needed to get a new probiotic added to my regimen. That's when my friend told me about Ritual Vitamins. They have Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one clinically studied prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic that can help support a balanced gut microbiome. I started taking Ritual right away, and the upset stomach that I was getting most afternoons went away. I love that Ritual packs so much good stuff into one minty capsule. And these vitamins don't need to be refrigerated, so it's like really easy to take with you when you travel, and y'all know I travel a lot. It's time to listen to your gut. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide, your insides. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com backslash unruly to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com backslash U-N-R-U-L-Y for 30% off. Hey everyone, welcome to another bonus episode of Unruly Figures. I am making this episode free for everyone so that you can see what these episodes are all about. If you like this type of shorter bonus content and you want more of it, become a paying subscriber on Substack. The link is in the show notes. Now, you've probably heard the story that Napoleon's army shot off the nose of the Sphinx as target practice during his military campaign in Egypt in the late 1790s. This is the version that I was given in school, even in my art history class. But as I found out a couple of weeks ago, it's totally wrong. Decades before that campaign, when Napoleon Bonaparte was barely a twinkle in his parents' eyes, a Danish naval captain named Frederick Ludwig Norden traveled to Egypt and drew the Sphinx without her nose. He published these illustrations in his 1757 book, Travels in Egypt and Nubia. Um, he published originally in French. Obviously, that is the English translation. Um, interestingly, digitized versions of the French manuscript don't seem to contain this image that's in the substack, um, but the digitized English versions do. So, who did destroy the Sphinx's nose, if not Napoleon? One popular theory is that the nose was destroyed in the late 14th century by Sheikh Mohammed Saim al-Dar, a devout Sufi from a convent of dervishes. And I'm going to say right now, Arabic is not one of the languages I speak, so I have done my best to go and check on these pronunciations, but if I'm getting them wrong, I really apologize. Um, anyway, Arab historian al-Makrizi, who lived in the 14th and 15th centuries, wrote 200 works mostly on Egyptian history, including his famous Description Topographique et Historique de l'Egypte. Obviously, that is the English translation from the Arabic original. Um, in that book, he explained that local lore at the time said that the Sphinx protected Giza from the encroachment of land from the Sahara. Apparently, some people even made offerings to the Sphinx's head, which was all that they could see back then. Um, but it's not clear from Almacrizi's account who is really offering what, Anyway, so Saim al-Dar, the devout Sufi who was traveling to combat superstitions in Egypt in the year 1378 or 1379, maybe he saw this local warship and decided to destroy the Sphinx's nose somehow as part of his whole mission to spread Islam. 
How he did this is not made clear in Al-Makridi's account, but he does say that in the century since Aldar destroyed the Sphinx's nose, Giza had been dealing with more and more encroachment of sand from the desert, and the locals actually blamed Aldar for this. It seems like maybe his attack just made people believe in the Sphinx's power to protect them even more. And then, like, side note, like, a lot of writers today will claim that the local Egyptians were making offerings to the Sphinx for the harvest or to control flooding, but that is, like, not in Al-Makrizi's account. In the 2010 documentary Riddles of the Sphinx, famous Egyptologist and archaeologist Mark Lehner shares his theory that the nose was deliberately, like, carved off using chisels or wedges. As you can um, see in the documentary, he points to two deep grooves that might have been used to snap it off. They kind of start at the bridge of the nose and right under the Sphinx's left eye. Some sources say that this would have happened between 200 and 900 CE, but I didn't see Lehner saying that anywhere, so it's possible it happened later. It's worth noting that Lehner believes prying off the nose also damaged the upper lip of the Sphinx. He also mentioned in his PhD dissertation that there appears to be man-made damage to the Sphinx's eyes too, like some sort of picking made with like a hammer or something similar. To me, knowing that most of the face has been damaged on purpose, not just by weathering, suggests that it was motivated by iconoclasm, which is the destruction of art or images that are considered heretical or by someone who wants to discredit um, the image for some reason. Obviously, it would have been hard work to pry off that nose and wouldn't have happened quickly. So someone must have been doing it to say something, but that message has been lost with time. And a lot of popular theories of the destruction of the Sphinx's nose say that it was another pharaoh who did this to consolidate power. And a lot of fans of Egyptian history will claim that this was a common practice, but this wasn't actually usually the case. Later pharaohs did destroy the iconography of the female pharaoh Hatshepsut, but that was an isolated issue. That was about her, not a traditional way to transfer power to a new ruler, because the statues of rulers in ancient Egypt were sacred themselves. Statues of pharaohs were sites of worship because the statue could house a god or be a conduit to the god. So Egyptians were generally pretty respectful of depictions of previous pharaohs. And since the Sphinx probably has a, a pharaoh's face on it, though we aren't sure whose face, we can guess that that respect probably extended to the Sphinx too. It was actually Christians who were more likely to, to destroy the iconography of the pharaohs. They had a, quote, habit of vandalizing artwork due to an entrenched culture of iconoclasm. The deliberate destruction of artworks was a way of counteracting the cultural and political power of the image, end quote. I think a lot of Egyptologists would agree that the Sphinx's nose was deliberately destroyed because of some sort of iconoclasm, but whether it was Christian missionaries or Sufi missionaries like Saim al-Dar is still very much up for debate. Without the actual nose itself, or like a signed confession from someone, we'll probably never really know for sure who pried this nose off and why. That said, more things are being uncovered around Giza every year, so maybe someday the nose will appear too. If you're interested in learning more about the Sphinx, um, that Nova documentary that I mentioned earlier is a great starting place. Thanks for listening.